0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, Enemies from War to Wisdom. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking the often confusing and painful issues that surround human hostilities. In this way, we hope to open the door to greater curiosity, dialogue, and discovery between people who are poised to be enemies, those who are opposed to each other or have been hurt and rejected by each other. Our goal is to help us all enter into the wisdom that prevents chronic conflict from leading to alienation, fragmentation, or war. I'm your host, Eleanor Johnson, a videographer and artist who is the director of Emma Troupe, an experimental theater laboratory in New York City. And I'm here with co host, Polly Young eisendratt She is an author, speaker, psychologist, and psychoanalyst. While we come to these topics from each our own perspectives, Polly and I bring insight from our own lifelong dedicated practices of Buddhism that inform everything we do and think. We hope you find our conversation useful and that you will join us again and again. And now the podcast. In today's podcast we're going to be discussing speaking to yourself and speaking to others. Most of the time we are walking around talking to ourselves in a manner that strongly affects how we feel about ourselves and others most of the time we're not conscious of what we're saying why we are saying it and what the consequences are when we are speaking to ourselves i'm wondering if this self-talk naturally flows into the way we speak to others and so i'm going to now give the mic over to polly and we're going to unpack some of this So welcome, Polly.
1: Hi, Eleanor. It's great to be back at the podcast. And today we're going to be talking about something that I think doesn't seem so obvious to most people, which is that we're pretty much always talking in our minds, our brains, or whatever you want to call what appears to be inside of our heads for most of us. So that kind of talking sometimes is completely unconscious. In other words, you tune into it and you find you're saying something about the person walking by you on the street. Sometimes it's fairly conscious when you're reacting often emotionally to something that has offended you or intrigued you something that you are caught up in in your imagination, often you're more conscious of talking to yourself. However, many times when people think about the effects of speech or the effects of what we say, they do not include what they say to themselves. And so I think the very first thing is to point out that a considerable amount of our mental space is taken up with talking to ourselves. Now, from a Buddhist perspective, sometimes people call this thinking, although thinking actually includes images, not just talking. So, you know, when an image comes to mind, when you see yourself in your mind's eye entering into something or whatever, that's not talking, that's in the image framework. And we're not going to be talking about image today. We're going to be talking instead about language, the way we speak to ourselves, and then how that affects how we speak to others. So you can probably imagine, Eleanor, that whatever anyone is practicing is more likely what they're going to do. You know, if you go around, for example, practicing uh, a lot of anxious statements to yourself like oh what if this means this or oh now I'm in trouble or oh well that mole might be cancerous that kind of talking to yourself will actually increase your anxiety and in fact may even create your anxiety because you might have had just a passing thought about something and then you begin to talk to yourself about it in an anxious tone.
0: And do you so, think that one of the reasons why you know affirmations are so po- positive for people is that it helps them to control their own self-talk or maybe also helps them to be aware of the fact that they have self-talk?
1: So I would like to come back to affirmations because I sort of feel they're a band-aid. Ah, They're kind of a Band-Aid ah, over the problem ah, instead of an actual cure. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, the, the, the first thing, and I think i probably come back to this over and over again, the first thing that you need to do when something is creating some difficulty is to know that you're doing it. And so that kind of insight into your own mind in which you listen, listen in to yourself. And find out what you're saying. Because even if you put an affirmation over it, unconsciously, that other thing is running anyway. Right. So and so we have a lot yeah. of levels in the mind. It's yeah. not just one obvious yeah, level. Yeah. Uh, one reason why affirmations do not work so well, although I'm not against them. I mean, sometimes they, they help people kind of perhaps contain themselves. But uh, one reason why they don't work so well is that they are Band-Aids that go over the stream of talking that's, I think that's, that's under point. them. I yeah. Think that's a great point. So um, so the, the the kind of the first point to understand about talking to yourself is that whatever talk that you are practicing the most, whether you're practicing anxiety or you're practicing some kindness towards yourself, or you're practicing some kind of negative self-assessment which i want to come back to because that's what most people are practicing but whatever you're practicing is what you're going to get good at and so you're going to get good at that in a way that then it's inevitable that you will find yourself saying it to other people it's the same way when you know some of the basketball and other kinds of athletes they play basketball in their minds and then they get better at basketball without even practicing it because they're practicing it mentally. Uh, and it's a similar thing with talking to yourself. It's like, if you're talking to yourself all the time about what could go wrong or what is going wrong, and we know that the human emotions are mostly negative and we know that we assess things in this negative way. And so, you know, it's very likely that most people are talking to themselves about what could go wrong. I mean. I was teaching a, a workshop this weekend and people were surprised when I asked how many people you know, actually talked to themselves about what could go wrong and pretty much everybody raised their hands and everybody was shocked because they thought that was just themselves. They thought that they were the sort of critical person because they didn't realize this tendency towards criticism. So. If you go on about what's negative, what's not working, what doesn't what doesn't work out, what hasn't worked out for you, you're practicing that. If you go on about anxiety in your self-talk, you're practicing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Or again, you know, when you, you've got this strong inner critic who's always, you know, running another script around uh, all of your intentions.
1: Yeah, and so the, the thing that in North America, one of the things that we become preoccupied with is, is comparing ourselves to others in a negative way. In other words, we see somebody walk by and we think, "Oh, that person's more attractive than I am, or we hear someone talk about what they're doing, oh, that person has a more interesting life than I do, or that person's smarter than I am, that person runs faster than I do, and so on and so forth. So that we become preoccupied internally with negative self-assessment, which is comparative and it's motivated by those self-conscious emotions that we talked about, you know, emotions like jealousy and envy and shame and even guilt, even guilt can motivate you to put yourself down if you feel like you haven't been kind enough. Maybe you feel like, you know, you've had some, you've, you, in, your, in your mind, you've said some microaggressions, you know, or, right. or you've, you've, you've hurt somebody's feelings. So, so then you go on and on. So you about you kind this of start negative thing of
0: your inadequacies inadequacies
1: and yeah. and also comparisons to others yeah. negative comparisons yeah. to others so if you're rehearsing all of that surprise surprise you don't have great self-esteem when you're involved actually socially in talking to others so you know if you've rehearsed how inadequate you are then when you talk to others you'll start picking up signs that you are inadequate that they have the same Point of view. So it is very, very important for us to listen in to the mind because the talking that we do often creates internal enemies. And then we attack those enemies. You know, like the typical one that I hear about all the time is what people eat. Oh, I'm eating too much sugar. You know, I'm eating too many carbs. I'm eating so many whatevers, uh, and that becomes a theme. Instead of food actually being a social pleasure, people are reviewing their food in a negative way about what it has that will be attacking them. You know, so the enemy. Uh, that right. is the food. It's the sugar, it's the gluten, or it's right. whatever it is. You know, I mean, it's a variety of things. People are amazing yeah. in all of the enemies I, they I find. I about in some food. of
0: my friends as, as gluten fascists. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a, yeah, yeah, they're gluten fascists with they themselves. If they smell wheat, they start to panic. Right.
1: And then, you know, and then they, they do that for themselves, with themselves, but then it, they have the idea that other people have so much more freedom in eating. But They've been rehearsing negatively their own eating patterns and feel that they need to deprive themselves because they have this or that reactivity. And I don't want to get into the facts of whether people have reactivities or not. Right. I mean, I think people have all sorts of things that they don't like and are uncomfortable with. My issue is how much you talk to yourself about them right, right. and how much you're walking around rehearsing that so that you're making enemies within your mind of various things that you're doing or not doing because you're comparing yourself to others and you believe the others have got it down or the others do it better. Um, or the then the, the other kind of negativity is to rehearse what annoys you and irritates you about the people that are around you, you know, so that you, you're you going internally into these sometimes phrases, sometimes paragraphs about so-and-so and and what so-and-so has done to you and is now doing to somebody else and how that affects you and so on and so forth. So all of that actually needs to be checked. You need to check on it because it affects so many things. It'll affect your mood. It will also allow you to have some sort of passing feeling and latch onto it with a narrative. And the narrative might be a narrative about how you're not succeeding or how things aren't working out or a narrative about what you haven't done right, you know, that you've eaten too much sugar or whatever, or it can be a narrative about um, somebody else and how they are annoying you. Now, how useful are these narratives? I mean, do they actually prevent us from dangers? Do they take us into more fulfillment in our lives? Uh, As far as I know from the research that's been done on self-talk, these negative narratives do nothing but oppress us, you know, and and then they lead us to grab onto a feeling state and narrate it. So, you know, our feelings arise and pass away very quickly. Emotions arise and pass away inside of a half a minute. So how is it that we can feel angry for days or that we feel mm. like we're we're caught up In some sort of fear and anxiety that goes on hour after hour it is because of the self-talk we we have some sort of body sensation which may in fact be anger or it might be annoyance or frustration and we begin to narrate it and then it seems like we're captured by it then we see all sorts more evidence that we really are angry or that really is unjust or somebody has really insulted us or we have done something really wrong. So grabbing on to these passing emotional states and then narrating them with internal talk affects people very, very much. And I actually think it can create quite miserable states of mind, you know, that where we're captured by the, the sense that everything is wrong in an environment, a daily environment, where almost nothing is wrong. But that, that internal talking has captured us far over and above the beauty around us, the light around us, the friendliness of people around us. In fact, we, we talked about the fact that because people focus so much on negativity, when they look back at their experiences, they very often do not even remember what was positive. They don't have a clear record of it because we're not rehearsing positive Internal talk most of the time.
0: Well, do you find also that once you kind of get conscious of the fact that you've got these negative narratives running, or you kind of wake up to your own, you've done the self inquiry in terms of you know what you're what you're thinking, what you're you know what you're thinking and feeling while you're in in your experience. But but when you're aware, when you have that awareness and you can kind of touch it lightly or you can just allow it and let it pass. Yes. And know that um, it's, not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. I mean, helpful. to be aware that it's not helpful, but you catch it. it to keep keep catching a you know like a glimpse of it a glimpse of it yes and then you can shift it or you can again touch it lightly or you can just be very present with it so you're not repressing it like what you were saying about yes. the affirmations right. you're, yes. not burying, bur- you're, you're not burying, you're not burying, burying it, it. Right. but there's something about you know being able to watch the mind
1: yes well so it, so let's let's talk about that for a moment because what we're talking now about this one sense gate which is hearing right And Ah. so hearing, we can hear out. We hear the sounds of the world. We hear the sounds Mm -hmm. of others' voices. And we can hear in. You can direct your awareness to hearing out or hearing in. When you're hearing in, you're hearing the talk in in your mind. When you're hearing out, you're hearing the sounds around you. By and large, people like hearing out better than hearing in. Now, when they don't like hearing out, it's because of two things one is they're calling the sound noise which is just sound but once you call it in your talk space you say that's noise that's that's a machine that's that's a cement mixer or that's a jet now some noises I have to say really are disturbing like the some of the f-35s that fly over they shake your whole Body. Or
0: New York traffic. <laughs> well,
1: I don't know. I mean, with New York traffic, again, you could hear that as sound. You could hear it as sound if you, you know, if you weren't narrating it as noise. The other thing that we don't like hearing very sometimes is other people talking because we get caught up in their narrative. Um, but again, there is a way to hear that as sound rather than talking, but most people can't access it because we were all babies. And when we heard a lot of people talking, we didn't know anything about language. It just sounded like sound. And so we can still access that when we go to countries where we don't understand the language. We hear the languages as sound. So hearing out, usually in general, creates more positivity for us, as long as we don't label it noise, than hearing in because hearing in mostly we're gonna be focused on negative, negative self-assessment, negative focus on social environments, negative commentary on what's going on. Because again, the human mind tends towards seeing what's missing, what's wrong, what's not working. And then in North America, we're very self-conscious about ourselves as individuals. So then we rehearse a lot of negativity about ourselves. And maybe in other cultures where people aren't focused so much on the individual self, like where they might be focused, like in Japan, more on the family. That's more like a family ego there is pride and honor in your family. Uh, maybe the internal self-talk is more about the group than about the individual. But the, um, so listening, in listening into your self-talk or listening out into sound, generally occurs around the ears even even when you're listening in you're generally hearing that kind of right around your ears so there are mindfulness practices that work with hearing and um you know you can hear in and hear you're talking to yourself check in on it see what's going on and then as you say unless there's something that is really useful happening there and there can be once you clear it out once you clear it out of the negativity you may be hearing deep insights. You may hear something that you have never even imagined you knew, something that you discover by a voice in your mind that says, oh, this is possible, this is true. But when you're hearing in and there's a lot of negativity and you're rehearsing a lot of anxiety, you're rehearsing a lot of what if, or you're rehearsing a lot of what you didn't do as well as somebody else, uh, if you can allow that to drop back like white noise just like a radio running and it's just blah blah blah
0: and do you have anything to say about how how to help our listeners do that polly
1: well you know you I mean,
0: just the the you know the the techniques that we use to help catch ourselves
1: so the the very first thing you know as i will always say is to see that you're doing it right you know the very first thing is to tune in there
0: right,
1: right around your ears and see what's going on in your own mind And see how you are talking to yourself. Now, the second component of it requires a little mindfulness. It requires a little capacity for concentration plus equanimity. So concentration Mm -hmm. is focusing. Mm -hmm. Equanimity is acceptance. It's like a friendly attitude towards what you're hearing. So if you can focus with concentration and an openness or acceptance you will begin to know just how you style things in your own mind. And um so listening in and not taking it too seriously because what you're going to want to do eventually uh, is to take out the components of talk that are especially hostile towards yourself and others and to encourage and this is where maybe you do need to put some talk in, you know, I wouldn't do affirmations, but I would do kindness towards yourself. In other words, instead of saying, you know, oh my God, you ate that cookie and you really didn't need it, to say to yourself, oh, that cookie tasted very good. That was great, that I had this cookie, or we had this. I often talk to myself as we, you know. Oh, we're... <laughs> well, there's so we're, many of you. <laughs> we're doing very well here, yes. Yeah, so or, or, oh, oh dear, we're going to be fine. Or you, it's yeah, going you know, to be okay.
0: Uh, one of yeah. the, uh, you know, kind of ancient wisdom techniques too is to just to bless it. When people say, well, just bless it. Mm-hmm. You've done something, I... I worked with a Native American who used to say when people would go into all of their negative talk around the fact that they couldn't stop smoking, mm-hmm. bless the smoke, mm-hmm. let the smoke be. You know, it just changed the way mm-hmm. you hold the mm-hmm. smoke, mm-hmm. and um, you know. so, so yeah. I don't mean to sound simplistic, but there's there's wisdom in that.
1: Well, just that kind of attitude towards your internal experience and your internal talk. Um, but eventually, I strongly, strongly recommend that you learn how to speak kindly to yourself about yourself in a matter of fact tone. A, a matter of fact tone. Yeah. yeah
0: it's a practice. And, yes. and
1: then, you know, you can check with yourself. So, yeah. what do I need right now? What would actually work right now for me to help myself? And how can I bring that about? And how can I, at this moment, actually open up? a feeling of warmth and acceptance towards myself. Uh, Once you learn how to do that, it's amazing how much more energy you have because you find that your mind is kind of refreshed rather than defeated most of the time it because, feels
0: like joy well,
1: it, well at least it feels well it may be joy i don't know but at least it feels like comfort right you know right, it right. feels like something that is available to you that you can bring that does not depend on other kinds of conditions it depends on you recognizing that you're talking to yourself and that you can do it in a kind way or in a kinder way so that self-talk Uh, is very very crucial on a number of levels and when you can turn the negativity into a kindness and you can begin to investigate how you could actually increase your kindness you will find that it is much easier to be kind to others because you have already sensed the whole realm of kindness by practicing with yourself and it really must begin with the self-talk It cannot come in some other way because it is the self talk that turns you into your own enemy and also preoccupies you with yourself, with what you haven't done, what you didn't do, how you're not like this, and so on. And also, uh, you know, prepares you to be a real critic to other people because they see that you are just, you know, demanding. Of various kinds of standards and then that you can demand that of them as well so that's that's the sort of talking to yourself side of the coin when it comes to language and we'll come back to speech practice and how you can actually look at your speech but I wondered if you had any questions about the hearing in speaking to yourself side does that sort of ring a bell for you? Do you the notice? Hearing
0: in and hearing out is a little abstract for me. That's when interesting
1: because I, I was teaching it this weekend yes. and people actually felt yeah. like it was yeah. the easiest. Yeah. It was one of the easier sense gates. Yeah. Like if you see the images in your mind and see the images that you feel are around you, that's a little harder than hearing your own internal talk versus hearing sounds in the world. Yeah that's usually pretty easy because of, you know it's it's hearing is our one of our biggest sense gates it's the earliest that develops when a child is I guess is I'm just trying to think about womb.
0: how how you know i hear or i how i listen i just have a different kind of vocabulary
1: do you ever listen to the talking in your mind uh, constantly and do you notice what it's saying yes so that's hearing in
0: yeah I mean, and one of the things that I that I mean that, that comes from, you know, my long years of my Buddhist practice is, is also realizing that it's all food for realization. So when I go into, you know, the kind of downside or I'm being hard on myself or I'm or negativity arises, I watch it. I touch it lightly with my mind and then I go into its opposite. You know, and I and oftentimes when I'm really stuck, I go into in my own world because I have a very deep relationship to prayer. Mm-hmm. and I'll go into different different kind of prayer modes that just shift my whole energy shift my focus and then I just I just kind of ride the energy
1: and do you think that leads to a greater kindness towards yourself I mean do yes. you then feel yes. that you yes. are treating yourself kindly yes. yes and not attacking yourself yes
0: you know what kind of came to mind you know again uh, you know enemies from mortal wisdom um, it's something that His Holiness the Dalai Lama said that I think kind of um it's a little bit it's it's again talking about well, he, he talks about external peace mm-hmm. is impossible without inner peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is noble to work at external solutions, but they cannot be successfully implemented so long as people have hatred and anger in their minds. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. again, it's like watching the mind, being Mm -hmm. aware that you even have hatred Mm -hmm. and anger in your mind. This is where profound change has to begin, says His Holiness. We can do so only through training by engaging in in practice with the aim of gradually reorientating the way we perceive ourselves and others. Perfect. So again Perfect. this yes. is everything that you're talking about in terms of self talk and just you know waking up to what you know what's running us what's you know what's leading us to just kind of you know catch it. It's a there's right. a freedom in that when you can start to catch it. I mean it's not easy. It takes practice, it takes determination, it takes discipline. A lot of times people will talk to me about using affirmations. It's a way that they discipline themselves. But I found it very interesting what you said because a lot of times it also then puts a lid on what's really going on. Yes. So they don't get to explore right. it. in that kind of self-inquiry that's very, very painful at times doesn't happen.
1: Well, and I think the problem is that you can put... so. So let's go back to the hearing in idea. Yeah. So you could call it listening in yes. or hearing in. Yeah. But the channel in which that internal talk is running, it can be filled with prayer or mantra yeah. or other kinds of positive, uh, you know, kind of antidotes mm-hmm. for the negativity. But that even filling in, and, and it, and you should certainly do that if you can't have access to hearing your own thoughts, um, uncensored. Uh, But if you do that and you never actually investigate what you are seeing in your mind, you do drive the talking more and more out of your awareness. And then you may be actually more motivated negatively towards yourself and to others than you ever believe you are. You may think of yourself as a very kind or peaceful person, but then suddenly find that, you know, you're just overtaken by rage when you hear something that Trump says. Because you've been rehearsing something else. You haven't really been rehearsing kindness. And you it went outside of your awareness because you thought that it wasn't there. Because you were perhaps using well, a mantra or yeah. an antidote well, or something. I think,
0: you know, again, waking up is so complex. I mean, all the different levels of it. Well, and
1: and I don't, you know, the thing is, I wouldn't want listeners to think that it's beyond their capacity to hear their own thoughts uncensored. I think if you, if you actually sit still for not long, and you listen into what you are saying internally, you'll be get, you'll be able to get a sense of it. If you can do that when you're walking around, you know, when you're not just sitting, then you can begin to get a sense of what kind of narrative you're running about the things around you and yourself, which I feel is almost necessary if you want to become a kinder, more peaceful person. That like you can't do that simply by filling up the channel with something that is more positive. And again, in some circumstances, the um, when you're really afraid, or you're really anxious for your kids, or there is something you know, there's a physical condition, and you're very afraid that it might be something serious, then when you're waiting for the diagnosis, you probably cannot listen to your internal talk. Right. It's too disruptive, and then you might want to apply a a prayer, a mantra, right. something positive into that channel. But when that's not the case, I think it's pretty easy. To actually listen to what your mind is saying and to begin to question whether you ever speak kindly in your mind to yourself or others when you're walking around, because the natural case is going to be the negative. That is where the compass needle is going to go. So, you know, most people are. Mostly speaking negatively right. to but themselves. When, when
0: you're, you know, when you're dealing with upset or you're dealing with stuff that really, you know, violates you or feels, you know, brings, you know, levels of whether it's emotional violence or actual violence or when you're dealing with things that are, you know, crisis. I mean, it's it's not um, so black and white. Well, when
1: you're dealing with something that is truly in your face, it is very unlikely that um, that you are going to be able to listen into your own internal talk right. because you're in an emergency right. situation. Then you're just going to be reacting through your emotions right. and, unless you're aware of how you can work with the emotions. But just to go back to this speech, uh, so you know, it's true that many of us have very strong reactivity to other people's behaviors or other people's speech that much of that reactivity is based on what we're saying about it to ourselves, Uh, especially if it's in the public domain. Um, Because if you hear it simply as so-and-so is saying that, it's actually not an offense. Now, if you hear so-and-so is saying that about me, or so-and-so is saying that about people I love, then there is usually emotional reactivity. But often the actually most painful part of it is what you are saying to yourself about what so-and-so is saying. And so it's a great relief when you don't have to keep rehearsing something after you've heard it. When you've heard it, and it's, it's simply a statement, and it's not violence in your face or anything else, but it, it sounds offensive to you, you can note, you know, that sounds offensive, but then you can drop it.
0: You can guess- walk around without it best not to listen to the evening news
1: well you know I don't (laughs) I don't really but uh, because I don't find much news in it but the um the the so to kind of return yeah return back to the speech it's it's really our internal uh focus is very often a negative rehearsal that leads then to more outer conflict because we take the negative point of view into our relationships with others and then we find it might be very difficult to contain our negativity and speak to others with kindness because we feel so agitated about what we saw what we heard what we thought about that we feel as though oh i can't really actually speak to others kindly without a great deal of reflection. Whereas I want to offer the possibility that if you speak to yourself kindly, mostly, you will find speaking to others kindly occurs kind of automatically no matter what the other person is saying, even if the other person is saying something mm-hmm. offensive. Now, again, if the other person is contemptuous, is directly insulting you, there are these natural emotional reactions or you feel enraged, and that's harder to manage. But it's the self-talk that often brings us to this sense that I can't actually speak to this person who has opposing views. I can't speak kindly
0: it's to like, that again, person. You know, just becoming conscious about that. What you were talking about in the last podcast—that animal reactivity that triggers rage, or mm-hmm. triggers mm-hmm. our aggression, or or we lose we can't differentiate between aggression and anger. Yeah. those yeah. They, they yeah. take over us. I mean, that's a great learning. It's a great teaching. It's to wrestle through all of that. Well, and but, to
1: recognize that you're human and you're not just an animal. There's yeah. an animal there, but there's human there too. Yeah. And the human yeah. is the one that can decenter, yeah. that can check exactly. and so on. Which is
0: what you keep bringing us right. back to. Yeah. But the yeah.
1: But the checking on your speech is kind of the thing that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to the speech that we use Uh, with others and then the speech we use with ourselves from the point of view of of the typical buddhist speech practice that i use all the time it's very simple and i apply it to the way i speak to myself internally as well as the way i speak to other people and i don't do it perfectly and i'm not always doing it and so on and so (coughs) forth but i i find that it is so useful that I actually find myself wanting to use it more and more. Three questions that you ask about your speech. Now you can ask it retrospectively of your own internal speech, or you can ask it prospectively, like before you speak. So the first question that you ask yourself, uh, when you're, you know, examining your speech, or you're talking, whether you do it, retrospectively, like you look back at what you said, or prospectively, like you're trying to examine what you're going to say before you say it, which is often a really good idea. Uh, You know, is it true? True in an ordinary sense, like not just repeating gossip that you're not sure of, or not saying something simply because of the blah blah that other people are saying, Um, or, you know, not out and out lying, which is not true. And so the first thing is, is it true? I just want to spend a moment on that because the Buddha said of all of the different kinds of things that we can do wrong, speaking untruthfully is the most offensive because it leads to all the other offenses. If you're speaking untruthfully, that can lead to hatred, it can lead to murder, it can lead to... um, You know, all kinds of manipulation and so on. So beginning with the truth in our speech is so important. And so, you know, checking, you can check backwards, like, Oh, was that really true what I said? Or did, did I base that on something I heard that I don't know if it's true or not? Um, so that first one is, is it true? Is the most important one in speech practice? The second question is, is it kind? So Am I saying something that is inherently kind? And kind is not the same thing as nice, because nice really gets you nowhere. Nice is, is uh, basically social kind of veneer. You're not talking
0: about sentimentality. You're talking about no, or social far, veneer. Far yeah. no. Yeah.
1: And so, kind is really the recognition of the conditions that are within you and around you with compassion so that you yes. are trying to recognize them with compassion and to speak about them in that way, not harshly, but with compassion for those conditions. Uh, so second question, is it kind? So when I, when I spoke yesterday, was that kind what I said? Was I speaking compassionately in those conditions and about those things? And then the third, the third question is, is it necessary to say that? Is that necessary? In other words, is that completing something that will be helpful, that actually brings greater truth and kindness out? Or are you saying something that is really not necessary and is kind of bringing attention to yourself or maybe even bringing attention to negativity? And um, that's the kind of blah, blah aspect of speech. Now, I know that I fail on that third one far more often than I fail on the other two. So I can say a lot that's not necessary to say. Uh, but even when I'm saying what's unnecessary, I still try to stick to the first yes, two. What's, first, it's yeah, it's yeah, true yeah. and to say it kindly. So when you think about speaking to yourself and all of this internal talking, a lot of it is completely untrue. You have no basis for the things you're saying to yourself about what you're doing wrong or how this might be an illness or what your friend said about you. Or even, for example, when we go on internally about, let's say, the conditions in the news or the conditions of what we regard as politics Or the conditions of what we regard as whatever it is, that's really beyond our knowledge base. Like, we don't know for sure what that thing is going to lead to. You know, we were talking just today about the closing of the Yankee power plant and how they're storing the rods from the. So, those active rods are being stored in a number of small towns in Vermont who have gotten huge revenues. And now they've expanded their schools. And they're developing their roads from this awful condition of that. So, you know, it's again, you could go on and on about, oh, that's so awful. That's so bad. And that. but then, oh, wait a minute, they got revenue and they actually redid the school. And now they're doing the roads and these towns, oh, that's interesting. That's not so, you know, so the thing that we often do is we jump in our minds to a negativity that is untrue. So we're speaking to ourselves untruthfully. Number one, very first speech practice, we're actually violating it. And then often number two is really easy. We speak unkindly to ourselves in a harsh tone that is way critical and kind of preoccupied with criticism. And then of course we say a lot of unnecessary things to ourselves. So, you know, the internal speech practice is so full of violations, our, the, our internal, let's say our internal blah, blah, not the speech practice itself, but our internal blah, blah, is full of violations of speech practice all the time. So if you actually try to apply these three questions to your internal talking, you find that it's not necessary to say a whole lot and that what you do say to yourself, you wanna check if, if you have any basis for truth and if it's kind,
0: and you don't want to lose sight of being preventive around things, I, I understand what you're saying—the both and—in terms of the uh, the nuclear waste. But you know, wonderful, wonderful about you know the revenue creating better conditions, but also you have to be aware of the fact that uh, burying the nuclear uh, waste in. You know, in small towns, is also uh, something to be concerned about.
1: Well, bearing it anywhere, bearing it, anywhere. <laughs> but but still, that's really not the issue so much as the way you talk to yourself yeah. about it. That you really don't know what the consequence is going to be because nobody does.
0: Right. So you and do so nothing. And so, so
1: go around. No, no. You should be very clear about what you do know and what you do not know. Do not speak to yourself untruthfully about things you do not know about. So that rules out a lot of stuff that we go on and on about. You know, I mean, a lot of people are speaking to themselves about all sorts of things like the genetic potential for depression in their family when they have no knowledge of the study of genes. It's just a blah, blah, They're just going around talking to themselves about it, and they don't know. But it never occurs to them that that's not true, what they're saying, because they're saying it to themselves, so it's sort of unchecked. And then they actually don't go into the fact that there's not much that they know about that thing that they're talking about. So it's not true that, oh my God, you know, I might get depressed in my 40s, because my grandmother right, yeah. was an alcoholic, yeah. you know? And so, so, it's, like, it's, so
0: many it's, it's so many different levels. There's, so, but, there's but, a lot yeah. of
1: levels to apply yeah. that speech practice. Yeah. So yes, it's And very- you don't
0: want to, you know, kind of get into this thing of, you know, again, getting caught by, you know, perfection or becoming, you know, self-suffering. Oh, no, because, no, that would be obsession. I mean, yeah. right, because then it sets up all this stuff right. again around, you know, self-loathing, because I can't get it right, or I keep making mistakes, or, you well, know. Well, only
1: an American, I think, would actually
0: yeah, have that yeah. response. I mean, because I, I mean, think it's if, big if we were it's talking to
1: Tibetans, they'd be, oh, yeah, of course, we do yeah, that. Yeah, we check it, yeah, you know, yeah, wow. because actually you can check. Yeah. And then when you're able to actually check your own internal talk, it's easier to check when you're going to speak to somebody else yeah. well, having to, that kindness to slow it just, down
0: just makes it a little bit easier doesn't it yeah. more approachable well you have to generate just, it yeah you, you have know to you don't it. it doesn't come automatically I know, I know. so it's yeah. because you again so, if
1: you see the the organism the homo sapien is automatically going towards violence and negativity you know uh and um I listened to uh, a a line from Leonard Cohen, uh, If It Be Thy Will, that song. And he says in it that, you know, we are the children, basically, of God who are dressed in rags of light Mm. and we're dressed to kill. And so what he's saying is, yes, we have light within us, but we're in the form of violence. We're dressed to kill. And so as the homo sapien, as the the one who is going to come with a lot of self-protection and a lot of tendency to see what's wrong, it takes a lot to address the light, to actually allow the light to come in and say, okay, it's possible to speak to myself in a way that is generally more true, generally more kind, and generally... Not saying so much, so letting a lot of that fall away yeah. gives you a lot more spacious mind, yeah. and yeah. then then often the the words of wisdom come to you. You don't have to talk them into being; they come to you. Let
0: them arise. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But if you're talking, you know, too much, yeah. they they get drowned out, and you know you're walking around with all of this self-talk that is so untrue, unkind, and way too much of it. Mm-hmm. And the words of wisdom aren't coming through.
0: Well, one of the things I'm 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 really hearing as I'm as I'm listening and hearing <laughs> is the awareness that, you know, human consciousness is simply far more complex than the outer consciousness understands. Mm -hmm. And this is big work. Mm -hmm. It's big work. It's noble work. And again, Polly, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Eleanor. And it's (laughs) doable work. It's doable doable work. (laughs) I have to keep breathing deeply here. (laughs) Thank you, Polly. This is great. Thank you, Eleanor. Thanks so much for listening. And to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find past episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and CastBox. Enemies from War to Wisdom is recorded and produced by Chris Coltrane.